Hello, this is Steve. Welcome to the podcast. This episode is entitled Wake Up or Die, Part 2 of 2. I Make a Decision. It's a sequel to Wake Up or Die, Part 1 of 2, Broken in Pieces. Here we go with I Make a Decision. Ten years ago, when I was 22, my college drug-fueled vision quest for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had surprisingly succeeded. The veil of heaven had been lifted, and an angel had appeared to me. The angel had showed me my soul, and in just a few succinct words spoken directly into my heart and mind, gave me warnings and instructions to last for the rest of my life however long or short that might be. Now it's 10 years later, March 1983, and the family has gathered at my parents' house for a birthday party. While the others chat and laugh, my mind is elsewhere. I'm sitting here at the birthday party, vividly recalling every detail of my encounter with the angel 10 years ago, especially the scariest part that when I am 32 years old, I will have a decision to make, and that for two years my life will flicker like a candle in the wind. Well, today is my 32nd birthday, and this is my birthday party. I've been suffering from immense stress since before our infant son Jack was born four months ago. When he was only six weeks old, I took our little family and tried to run away from God to Florida. It didn't work. I had a nightmare that my face in the mirror suddenly shattered into a hundred pieces, and things have only gotten worse since then. My panic attacks happen so often now that I can hardly tell what's real and what's not. When I leave the condo in the morning and walk down the long hall to the elevator, my mind feels like it's racing out of control with one unrelated thought after another racing around in my mind at breakneck speed, all competing for my attention. I can feel my blood pressure going so high at work that my skin feels tight. But it's only borderline high in the comforting calm of the doctor's office. At lunch hour in the Chicago Loop, I often walk over to Crock and Brentano's bookstore on Wabash Street and Look at the New Age self-help and stress management books. I am quickly amassing quite a library of them, but I always pass by the shelves of Bibles. At the end of every workday, I tear another page from my daily calendar and wonder if I will live to do it again tomorrow. When I get home every night on edge and exhausted at the same time, I only want to sit in silence and try to digest today's events. My young wife juggling our new baby and her job is an angel for putting up with me. Of course, we still don't know about each other's angels. I'm starting to wonder who exactly my angel is. Why would an angel warn me about such torture 10 years in advance and then go ahead and let it happen? And why would an angel warn me that I will have to make a decision when I'm 32, but not even tell me what the decision would be about? He must be a fallen angel, one of Satan's demons. Or at least, that's what I tell myself. A week later, I'm walking to the courthouse in Chicago when I get an eerie roller coaster thrill type of sensation in my chest, and then a thump in my chest. Before I reach the courthouse, it happens again, twice. 
I had almost forgotten what irregular heartbeats are like. I've only had them once in my life before, on that terrifying evening ten years ago, just a few hours after I had seen the angel. I had stepped into the bathroom from the noisy pre-Kentucky Derby party when a sudden attack of terror and a wildly palpating heart plunged me in an instant from the afterglow of heaven to the gates of hell. The heart palpitations had finally eased that evening. The terror had subsided, and I had reasoned that it must have been the fine weed I'd been smoking that day. Well, on the street in Chicago, I said to myself, it's not bad this time, just a couple of thumps. I decided to use some of the health help remedies in the books I've purchased. A week later, I'm in the courthouse and get into a crowded elevator with a colleague. Suddenly, I'm getting a string of the thrills in my chest, but no thumps. It just feels like my heart stops for two or three seconds at a time. I try to surreptitiously check my pulse by pressing two fingers to my wrist. It's possible my face turned white. My colleague next to me notices. Are you okay, she asks, since she knows that I took an extra week off two months ago to go to Florida. Yes, I'm fine, I say, but she gives me a quizzical look. The next day, a few more thumps and chills and thrills mixed in with pauses. Day by day, my condition worsens, and within a few weeks, I'm having irregular heartbeats dozens of times a day. My self-help books just aren't working. I decide to break down and go see a doctor. I got an annual physical last year from an internist I liked very much, so I make an appointment with him. The day comes, but he finds nothing wrong, reassures me, and sends me on my way. I'm getting more and more desperate. I make an appointment with a cardiologist. He fixes me up with an overnight monitor called the Holter Monitor to monitor my heartbeat overnight. And I'm actually relieved when the test shows that I did get some palpitations while wearing it. Now they'll believe me and treat me. But on my next appointment with the cardiologist, he is also unconcerned. If you were my own son, he tells me, I would not be worried about you. You have a good system, he says in a kindly way. Very good. But I'm not at all sure about that. I've read in the news about a young man my age who dropped dead at the start of the big bike ride across Iowa. And I read about a young man in Paris, France, who suddenly jumped out of his car at a stoplight, ran around it several times, screaming that he was going to die and fell over dead. That could have been me. That could have been me. I also read about biofeedback and decide to give it a try. I find a kindly therapist who attaches wires to my head. A buzzing sound in the earphones changes when I relax my muscles and I learn to do so progressively from head to toes. It's a helpful tool, one that I'll use for the rest of my life, but it's not a total answer. My wife and I decide it's time to move out of the city and get a house in the suburbs. We find a nice place that's close to both of our parents' homes, and we moved there in July 1983. Let's see, move houses. My self-help books tell me that I've just added another life stressor to my list of job stress, marriage, and new baby, all on top of the irregular heartbeats that are generating a feedback loop of terror. 
Great, Box. Thanks for the advice. Now that we've moved, I'm commuting by train to the city and back every day, and I have a monthly train ticket. And at the end of every month, I ceremoniously rip it up. I've made it through another month. I'm still relying solely on my own strength. And I still haven't read a Bible. We do have one, given to us as a wedding gift by my beloved grandmother, from whom I got most of my childhood exposure to Jesus. I only open it occasionally to look at the family tree written in her familiar handwriting. Grandmother passed away two years ago. At her funeral, communion was offered, and I had impulsively taken it for the first time in my life. I told Jackie that I thought grandmother would have wanted me to. But when it came to books, I still stuck with my new age self-help books. The tried and true, right? Summer passes into fall of 1984, and now comes our first Christmas in our new home, but now Christmas has passed and it's New Year's Day, a year since I tried to run away from God and got my face shattered in a nightmare in a mirror that broke into a hundred pieces, and now it's March of 1984, and here comes my 33rd birthday, the first in our new home. All the relatives come over to our new house and bring my favorite Chinese food, but some of the white rice sticks in my throat on the way down at, at the dinner table and causes a panic attack, and I have to jump up and rush to a bathroom without even an excuse and in there trying to calm my fluttering heart before I have to go back to the party. I recall the words of the angel. When you are 32, you will have a decision to make. For two years, your life will flicker like a candle in the wind. But today, one of those two years is gone because now I've turned 33 and my heart is flickering like a candle in the wind. The prophecy of the angel has come true. And I still don't know what decision I'm supposed to be making because the angel never told me. Why is he letting me dangle and twist in the wind like this? He must really be a demon. But if he is a demon, why am I so afraid I'll never see him again? The angel's words keep returning to me. If you make the wrong decision, you will not see me again. It will be like ashes. If you make the right decision, you will see me when you die. I think you'll make the right decision. In April 1984, Jackie and I take little Jack, age 18 months, on a trip to England. We rent a car and I'm driving us out of London. I'm exhausted by the jet lag and the trip and the stress and my flickering heartbeat, and Jackie notices and asks how I am feeling. I feel like I'm going to die, I reply. A strange, deep voice calls out from little Jack's car seat in the back. Don't die, Daddy. Stunned, I turn to look over my shoulder at him. Jack has not started speaking in sentences yet. What did you say? I ask. Don't die, Daddy, the strange voice repeats. Did you hear that? I ask Jackie. Hear what? She replies. And I remember, I'm the only one who can see and hear my angel. Back in Chicago, I've won a big trial. Business is up. Stress is always up. And I often fly to other cities for depositions. The hotel rooms all have a Gideon Bible in a drawer. 
And in my overwrought loneliness, I get in the habit of opening these Gideon Bibles to random passages. On one such trip, the Bible falls open to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These words strike me to my core. Could this be the decision I must make? That seems hard to believe, and I continue on, bearing my own hard yoke and my own heavy burden, but the blessed words stick with me. I memorize them and recite them often. My next deposition trip is to Washington, D.C., where I check into a hotel for the evening. I'm lonely as usual, and my nerves are shot, and I turn on the television, surf a few channels, and come across the Reverend Billy Graham, speaking to a huge crowd. I've heard of him before. Back when I was in the sixth grade, he came to Chicago. I didn't hear about it until the next day at school, when many of the other kids were talking about how great he was. I felt then as if I may have missed out on something important, but I didn't follow up on it. So this evening, alone in my hotel, I start to listen to Billy Graham for the first time in my life. I am soon captivated by his voice and manner, and when at the end he makes his altar call and people start streaming down to the altar to repent of their sins and accept Jesus, tears are streaming down my face. But I try to shake it off and I turn back to preparation for tomorrow's deposition. I am too proud to surrender to Jesus like I just saw those people do. I'm too strong. I can handle this on my own. Back at home, it's a few weeks later, and it's after dark, and I'm the only one at home, just alone with my thoughts. I'm down in a very black hole, and there's no way out, and I'm wondering whether really haven't I known all along what the decision is that I must make? And did the angel let me suffer like this because he knew that I had to suffer in order to grow? And did the angel not tell me what the decision would be about because he knew that I knew that in my heart I knew what it would be about? And there's wonderful news, but also stressful news because we are expecting a beautiful baby girl to be born in October and my burdens at work and at home and with my flickering heart are just more than I can bear. And I might drop over dead at any moment. It's only through God's grace that I have lived this long. I'm thinking about how hard my burdens are and how heavy they are and how I, I just can't bear to carry them anymore and how Jesus has offered to take them for me and how light and easy his yoke is to bear and how wonderful that would be. And I'm pacing back and forth in the darkened bedroom and then it all overwhelms me and floods over me in a huge way and I fall to my knees by the bed like a little child and I raise my hands in prayer and look up as if from the bottom of a black pit and call, Jesus, I am lost. I am broken. My strength is gone. I have nowhere to turn but to you. I can't take this anymore. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Please help me. I am yours. I am yours. I give up. I surrender. I repent of my sins. I am totally, totally yours. 39 years have come and gone since that terrible but wonderful night. It's the night that I finally made the decision that fulfilled the angel's prophecy. It's the night that I gave my body, mind, and soul to Jesus.
It's the night that I was born from above. Here is our simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your angel to instruct, warn, guide, and protect me. Thank you for your holy word that entered my heart and convicted me of sin and granted me salvation and in which I find such perfect descriptions written thousands of years ago of things that have actually happened to me during my life. At age 32, I had a decision to make, which the Bible describes in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 to 20 and then 17 to 18. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go possess it. I claimed I didn't know what the decision would be about. But in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, the Bible says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship, so that men are without excuse. For a long time, I could not make a decision. For as the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. I tried to run away and hide from you in Florida, but the Bible says in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 16, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, 
and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. For two years my life flickered like a candle in the wind, as the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 65 to 67. And among these nations you shall find no respite, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot, but the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul, and thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of thy life. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread, and have no assurance of your life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were evening! And at evening thou shalt say, Would God it were morning! Because of the fear of thine heart, wherewith thou shalt fear, and the sights of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. I tried to rely upon my own strength, but the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 5 to 6, Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The angel did not tell me how to avoid my suffering, because my suffering was necessary, as the Bible says in Malachi, chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. As soon as I made my decision for Christ, the Holy Spirit entered me from above. For the Bible says in John chapter 6, verses 62 to 64, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Dear Heavenly Father, wilt thou protect and guide us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.